Good morning. I hope that you guys are doing well this morning. I don't know about you, but I've had a very up and down week. But it's always good to be in church. Amen? Why don't you take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Exodus chapter 18. Whether it be paper, whether it be electronic. I want to welcome all of you and those who are with us online. Before I get started, I want to make f- mention my first ministry, and that is my amazing wife and my wonderful children. Uh, and Lucas, could you do me a favor and put that on the screen? That is my wife, Vanessa, uh, who is at home right now with our two boys. Thomas is on top, and he is three years old, and Levi just turned two on Monday. Pray for my wife, uh, because sometimes she has to deal with two children. Uh, Sometimes she has to deal with four children, because she takes care of my brother's two kids as well during the week. And sometimes she has to take care of five children, because I come home. (laughs) So any extra prayers for her would be appreciated. As Pastor mentioned, I have the amazing and wonderful privilege of leading worship with you guys. And for those of you who have kids from 0 to 12, we have an episodic show that we put on our YouTube and Facebook page called Anchor Kids Online, which we have been journeying since December through the book of Matthew, answering the question, what does Messiah mean? And we allow Matthew, chapter by chapter, to answer that for us as we see the life of Jesus. So if you have any young ones under the age of 12, I encourage you, go on YouTube, go on Facebook, and check that out. Last week's Sunday, me and Vanessa had the privilege of celebrating Levi's birthday, and my mom and dad came up from Connecticut, and being the gracious son that I am, I decided to take everyone out for lunch. And typical, as soon as you get to the restaurant, A waitress was waiting for us, available for whatever we needed. Her words, not mine. But as the dinner rush, or as the lunch rush, should I say, came in, and uh, the busyness of traffic came in and tables were filled, it became more and more apparent that she became unavailable to meet our every need. Don't you hate that? Seriously, don't you hate that? So... Right when we were about to get frustrated, we noticed that a hostess made herself available to assist the waitress. Sooner or later, we found some of the other wait staff and the management going and serving tables and alleviating her of that responsibility so that she would not be overwhelmed. And, was one, and what was once a traditional waitress-to-guest or waitress-to-party relationship transformed into a team effort so that everyone would be satisfied. I tell you that story because what I found is that sometimes we treat our pastors like waitstaff, ready and available to do whatever we need. But a church is more than its pastors. And as we look into the book of Exodus, And the words of Moses' father-in-law, we forget sometimes that the Lord has provided many leaders and team members to make our work light. So let's get into it, shall we? 
starting in verse 13. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing, he said, What is it? Is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone, and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them known the statutes of God and his law. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourself out. For the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the law and make them known the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the peoples as chiefs over thousands of hundreds of fifties and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide for themselves, so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace." So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. Moses chose able men out of Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times, any hard cases they brought to Moses, but any smaller matter they decided for themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his country. Would you bow your heads with me as we look to God in prayer? Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you right now, and I pray that your word not return, return void, as it says in the Bible, but God, that it might grow, that it might change people, and that you be with your servant as he speaks. In Jesus' name, amen. The big idea that I see from this passage is that we should participate in God's work in order to move forward God's plan. If you have notes with you this morning, that is the first to fill in the blanks. If you do not have an outline, you may raise your hand, ushers, if you can be able to go to the back and grab those outlines for the people. Thank you so much. We should participate in God's work so that God's plan might move forward. I'm going to give you some background on what Pastor has been talking about the last couple weeks in the Exodus series. So, if you look at this map right here, I understand it's a little bit uh, fuzzy because got to compress everything. The people of Israel 
are at the base of Mount Sinai. They have already seen the water from Mara turn sweet. They have seen the manna provided for them in the wilderness. They have seen the water come out of the rock. And now they are at the base of Sinai just before Moses is to receive the law from God. And as they are there, Moses has himself a little family reunion. His wife, Zipporah, is there. His sons, Gershom and Eliezer. Shout out to Eliezer, North Point intern. He's right there. (laughs) And his father-in-law, Jethro. Now, Jethro was from another country. He was from Midian. And he was the high priest. And if you know anything about the Old Testament scriptures, the high priest obtained as equal value as a king because they were the advocate of God for the people. So when Moses was in the desert for the 40 years before being called out by God, he was underneath Jethro, where he married his wife, and God ultimately called him out. And Jethro and Moses meet together, and Moses testifies Israel's victories. He talks about the plagues. He talks about the deliverance from the Egyptians. He talks about the parting of the Red Sea, the manna, the bitter water turning sweet, water from the rock, and the battle and victory that Israel had over the Amalekites, where Moses had his hands raised by Aaron and Hur to provide the victory of God to the people of Israel. And Jethro makes this declaration. He says, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. That now I know that Jethro proclaims is the same one that God uses when talking to Moses about what he was going to show Pharaoh. And the Lord specifically says, they will know that I am the Lord. And now, instead of being as hard as Pharaoh and the Egyptians, Jethro, who has been on the outside looking in, makes the declaration. The first declaration from an outside person from Israel saying, Now I know the Lord is God. And thank God it wasn't the last statement. So, Jethro makes this declaration. And... There were a couple times in Scripture where Jethro understood and received what the Egyptians and the Amalekites didn't. And now we see Jethro observing the plan put in place by Moses to judge the disputes of the people. We see the original plan. And it starts again in verse 13. It says, The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, Why are you doing this for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me 
to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me, and I decide between one person and another, and I make them, uh, I make them know the statutes of God and his law. The original plan was that Moses was to stand from morning until evening to judge every dispute. Moses was the Supreme Court. He was the civil court. He was a small claims court. He was every single court that you and I can be able to think of. Now, you guys might think that this is not overwhelming. Let me put this into perspective. Moses was the one mediator for the people, and he was over one million people. Again, let me put this in, pers in perspective. We have 600 people in person and online that call Lowell Assembly of God their home or their home church. And we have three full-time pastors on staff and associates as well that we have part-time. Four to 600. This is one man to one million people. I don't know about you, but that math doesn't end up close or anything. Now, we understand that there were parts of the Bible and parts of Scripture where there was the man of God or the head or the king that would dispute for the people. We see that in the book of 1 Kings when Solomon is settling the dispute of two women over the right of a baby. But imagine with me, if you will, let's put this in perspective, Judge Moses with bailiffs Aaron and Miriam judging the people. It is time to decipher and determine the word of the Lord. Bailiff, what serious thing does God have us to dispute this morning? Um, there's like two dudes who are trying to figure out whose donkey is theirs. Donkeys. I thought we were talking about the commandments this morning. But donkeys. Praise God. Morning until evening. That is what Moses was doing. Not being able to write down the commandments, not being able to talk about the word of God and the seriousness of what was to come. But donkeys. Thank you, Noah. Appreciate you. Those were one of the many debates from morning until evening that Moses had to deal with. And though the original plan was the logical answer to them, it wasn't the best one. It wasn't the, the most rational one. And that is when Jethro points out the problem with the plan. In verse 17, he says, Moses' father-in-law said to him, what, are you, what you are doing is not good. You and the people will certainly wear yourself out. For the thing is too heavy for you. 
you are not able to do it alone. Jethro is talking about burnout, not just for Moses, but for the people themselves. He's saying the responsibility is too heavy for one man to bring it upon themselves. We've already talked about the million to one ratio that the man of God has. This is a very similar situation that happens in the book of Acts, chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, you can see it on the screen, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, let me point this out. Let me make this statement. No pastor on this staff has a problem getting their hands dirty. We have all cleaned toilets. We have all vacuumed rugs. We have all wiped down windows in this church. But the Bible tells us, Jethro tells us, that it is not right, and it is too mu- we have too much of a responsibility to deliver the word of God to the people to be caught up in minuscule tasks. So, let me bring you now to 1 Corinthians 12. In verse 12, it says, Just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. That is what the Bible tells us. That though the pastors, Christ being the head, pastors being the neck, being able to drive the vision of the church, where are the men and women and children of God that are called to be the hands and feet? Where are the different members of the body to be able to do their part? I was reading an article this week from m1psychology.com, and this is what it reads. It says, according to the study, 90% of pastors report working 55 to 70 hours a week, and 50% of them feel unable to meet the demands of the job. I can say that I fall under that statistic. By my will, sometimes, there are some times where pastor has to kick me out of the church because there are so many things to do, so little time. Some of the reasons for pastoral burnout from this article is being on call 24-7, not being able to delegate tasks to someone else, having poor social skills to be able to communicate that, not being equipped for all aspects of the ministry. And because of this, many pastors have exhaustion, fatigue, irritability, reduced empathy, lack of gratification, not being able to have an outlet, always being one. Now, I praise God for this church because we have amazing board members and pastors who make it a requirement for us to talk to other people about non-church work. We as pastors have to attend counseling. 
That's crazy. You don't think that a pastor would have to need that, but it is essential. Because who are we to talk to? When we are always talking back and forth with the people of the church, and I love all of you guys. I think you're great. But there are some things that only a few people know about my life. Pastor knows that this Sunday evening, I will be talking to Will. He is one of my best friends. I met him in Bible college. We were roommates before me and my wife got married. And Will will ask me simple questions. How are you really doing? How is your wife? How are your kids? How is your prayer life? How is your spiritual life? How are things outside of the four walls of the church? And there are too many times where the pastor isn't asked those questions. And I am grateful that this church not only recognizes that, but makes a requirement of its ministers so that we do not feel overwhelmed with burdens. There is a point where we as the community need to come around our pastors and say, don't worry about that. I've got it. Which is what Jethro brings forward in his advice to Moses. So we've talked about the original plan, and we've talked about the problems of the original plan. But now Jethro brings forward the new plan, starting in verse 19. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and, such, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you. But any small matter they shall decide themselves, so it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all the people will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. Moses chose men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any smaller matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own country." The Bible says to look for able men. Now, the Bible was also written in a generation where the men were a part of the leadership. But by the glory of God, we have some women in ministry. Praise Him. <laughs> so we are looking for able men and women who fear God, who are trustworthy, and who, are hate, and who hate bribes to be over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, judging the people at all times and in all small matters. 
This is the plan that Jethro brings forward. This is the plan that assists Moses in not being overwhelmed and overstrained. And this is the ultimate plan and structure that we bring forward, modified, but here in the house of God. And the result is this in verse 23. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure. And all this people will go to their place in peace. He will be able to sustain the man of God. He will be able to give him direction and give him the words to be able to go out to men and women who do not know Jesus that they might hear the gospel for the first time and be saved and become a part of this body and grow the church. And we, as people, will be able to go in peace knowing that whenever we need the man of God to give us spiritual advice, he is not downcast or burdened by all the minuscule things in the church. And again, let me say it, we've got no problem doing them. If we look in the book of Acts again, chapter 6, we saw earlier the problem that arose, but starting in verse 3, this is what the disciples came to as a solution. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven of good repute, or rapport, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Because of the elders that were chosen in the book of Acts, the apostles had the ability to give the word of God as Jesus intended it. In the book of Acts 1.8, And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Sumeria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. It is only because men of God of good repute and rapport were willing to be able to say, Yes, pastor, I got this. So that the word of God could be able to go out into the Holy Spirit and in fire. It is, because, it is because the North Point students decided to stuff the letters that are going to go out to you guys that Pastor was talking about on Wednesday and on Thursday that I didn't have to stuff them and I could pray and write the sermon. And we need more faithful men and women to be able to do that as well. This is very similar to what we see from Paul's writings in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says, This is a trustworthy saying. If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife or the wife of one husband, because this men and women, sober-minded, self-control, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up 
with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. The Bible is talking about an overseer. We call them the board. And let me tell you something. I love our church board. They do all that they can to make sure that your pastors are protected from the craziness of this world. And there are things that they do, that they observe, that they talk about, that you do not see, that are essential and foundation pieces to this church. And for those of you who do not know them, Ama, Adam, Marcel, I can't believe, Linda, why am I blanking? I... Damien. Ah, I talk to Damien every week. He's fine. <laughs> and Ron. He's watching right now, by the way. <laughs> I forgot you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I love our church board. Because week to week, sometimes day to day, there are times where we need something as pastors. We need something as pastors that we're not qualified to do sometimes. And they help us. Another person that you guys do not see from Mondays to Fridays, her name is Lisa Anthony, and she is our office manager here at the church. And she is amazing. She is wonderful. And she answers the question, what can I be able to do to make it easier for the pastors of this church? It is wonderful, the organizational skills that she has, the business mindset that she has. And I hope that she watches this, because I thank you and I appreciate you. These are just a few people that you do not see, but that help the church structure so much. Jethro points it out like this. Find those who serve of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. We're not a church of thousands yet, but I declare in the name of Jesus that one day this church will be filled with thousands upon thousands of people from Lowell, Drake, Tewksbury, Essex, and Middlesex County, and it would be overflowed to the point where the ministry will have to go out past the four walls of the church and be multiplied again and again. I declare that that will happen in Jesus' name. But let me tell you, Moses is our amazing Pastor Paul. The thousands are the church board. The hundreds are the associate pastors. The fifties are the ministry leaders, the ushers, the security people, and the tens are our small group leaders. And for those small group leaders who are not here and watching online, you don't understand how essential your work is. It is because of you. It is because of the phone calls that you make. It is because of the Zoom meetings that you have that people can be prayed for, attended to on an individual level and basis rather than just here on a Sunday morning. And we are so grateful for you. Janine, if you can come up. And Kristen, if you can come up as well, I'll pretend like I'll close. I got some time. 
All of this is to fulfill what the Bible calls the purpose of leaders. In Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11, the Bible says this, And he, meaning Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all main, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to measure, to the measure of the statutes of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, this is the result, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Where do you see yourself on this map? Statistics show that 80% of the work of the church is done by 20% of the people. And as I was having a conversation with Pastor Dylan, we beat those odds at 30%. But 30% isn't enough. May it not be the case with this church. We should participate in God's work so that God's plan might move forward. We talked about the original plan and how it was good, but it was not the best. We talked about the problems with the plan. And we talked about the new plan that Jethro moved forward. And brothers and sisters, we need to move forward with God's new plan. So some of you might ask me, how do we do it, Pastor? What do you want me to do? It's very, very simple. Two words. Get involved. <laughs> Fill out a ministry application. Attend the next class with Pastor Dylan. Do a ministry interview with one of your pastors. Join a team so that you can be able to do the work of the ministry the same way that we do, whether on the platform or off. These are the current needs that we have. We need ushers. We need greeters. We need somebody to give Linda in the back a week off because she has been doing this for six months. And though we love her, she needs a week off. We need musicians. We need audio and tech media people. And for those of you who are like, Pastor, I'm not strong in that. You haven't met Adam. Adam has such a teaching spirit and is willing to train you so that everything can be able to go well. 
We need people on cameras. We need male youth workers because we live in a fatherless generation and we need men to step up and become spiritual brothers and fathers of men who might never find or see that example again in their life. May it be done in this building and move forward the purpose of God. And the list goes on and on and on for the needs of this church. And for those of you who say, Pastor Thomas, uh, I would love to be able to get involved, but I'm not comfortable being in front of people or on the platform. Wonderful! Do you know how much admin work Dina and Lisa do on a week-to-week basis? I would love a person to be able to say, I can deal with that list. I can call those people. I can make those prayer cards. I can be able to reach out to people in prayer for those who are in need. There are so many needs that are in this church that you do not see that happen from Monday to Friday. And all we are looking for is for those to step out and become the hands and feet of God. The only time that we can say that we do not need help with anything is when we are in heaven. Listen, I learned this a long time ago. God does not call us to special things. He calls us to be available. I want to show you guys something before we close. Uh, Lucas, if you can pull it up, it's going to be super embarrassing. This is me. I had to get clarification from my wife, but I was about 21 when this photo was taken. And my friend Michael had just came back from Afghanistan a couple of months prior, and he experienced some PTSD. So we, you know, his friends, and we've been together for 20 years now, went to Michael's house every day to work out because it was his only way to be able to cope. And I wanted to show off the uh, new body that I had after about a month of working out. So I decided to take a picture on a Boost mobile phone, which is a very old sentence. (laughs) And I sent the the picture to my mama, and then I put it on Facebook, and my mama said to me, why is there a trash can behind you? I was trying to look all good and gaudy, and the first thing that she noticed was the trash behind me. It was because I was doing my job. At 18, one of my best friends His name is Ruben. He's probably going to be watching this video today. He said, I have 16 hours of work that I can't get done. Cleaning, maintenance, and facilities for the church during the week. Do you want them? And me, uh, being fresh out of high school and not really knowing what I was supposed to do, I said, yeah, sure. I would love to be in the church every single day. So I did. I collected trashes. I cleaned toilets. I wiped windows. And it's probably some of the funnest times that I had in ministry. I loved what I did. I loved what I did because it did not matter about the pulpit. It mattered that God had a need. And I was available. It's as our pastor says, we are made to find a need and meet it, and to find a hurt and heal it, and to find the joy of serving. Because when we find it, we will never want to be served again.
those times, as I said, were some of the best that I had in ministry because it wasn't who I was doing it to. It was who I was doing it for. Let's stand. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I come before you right now humbled, Lord. And I pray that the word that was done here would go out and multiply. That God, we understand that yes, there are men and women of God who are called to do ministry, but our job is to be available for whatever you need in this church and outside of this church. I pray that we learn not to be spectators, but to be your hands and feet. And that when people see that, that they also know the love and joy of Christ. I'm going to step down from this platform, and I'm probably going to give it to Pastor pretty soon. But I'm going to have the worship team sing that song again. It says, in the crushing and in the pressing, you are making new wine. But the chorus is the most important thing. It says, make me a vessel. Make me an offering. And I pray that as we ponder that, that the Lord touch your heart to find a need and to meet it. Join the worship team.